one of yours. It wasn't a thing Uncle Mike and I ever worried about, because we were good at cutting the cattle, and we hardly ever picked out anyone else's cattle, even by mistake. We knew what we were doing, and as long as we didn't make mistakes, if the job was done properly, there wasn't a need for rules, scruples, or morals in the first place. What you had to remember about cutting cattle, and it was a thing Uncle Mike had often told me, was to pretend that you were capable of being in two places at once, where the cow was going and where it wanted to go. You had to get there ahead of it. We cut them on foot with our barking dogs. Sometimes we'd use the jeep. It was hard work, and it seemed to need doing always. Without fences, the cattle kept trying to drift north. The blue mountains shimmered and seemed a place to go to. The mountains looked cooler than anything we had ever seen. So I couldn't ask Ruth out. And why would I want to? One lousy kiss? She was flat-chested, like a seven-year-old boy, and wore librarian's gold wire-rimmed glasses, grandmother glasses. Her hair was a reddish color, the kind that you think is brown until it gets out into the sun. And it was thick. I admired her freckles, and also the old overalls she was always wearing. They looked as if they made her feel good because she was always smiling. I imagined what the denim softness felt like on her ankles, on her thighs, and going higher. It was good being out on the north end of town the way we were. At seventeen and eighteen, one expects the things that happen, I think. They do not come as a surprise. Sometimes Mike and I would sit out on the patio and drink a beer or some vodka or gin and tonics with ice and limes. Limes from far away tropical cultures and we would watch the purple part of dusk rising up out of the dry valley, moving toward us, covering the desert like a spill, and the lights in town below would come on in the purple valley. Ruth's old Volkswagen came up our road one evening, trailing dust from a long way off, and when she pulled up and got out, she did not hesitate, but walked up to Uncle Mike and said that her car was dying on cold mornings and also on hills, and that she needed new windshield wipers, too. It was unnerving, her having come up out of the valley like that and into our part of the desert, driving in such a straight line to get there. She just did it. But once she was there, I did not want her to leave. I knew it did not fit with the unspoken deal Mike and I had cut with the town, but I liked her being up there on our plateau and wasn't eager for her to go back down. This is a beautiful view, she said, looking around at the purple dusk and the lights coming on in town. I offered her my drink, which I had not tasted yet, and she sipped it, not even knowing what it was. Mike went in the garage to look at her car. I got a chair for Ruth and seated her. We didn't say anything, just watched the desert until it was completely dark. After a while, Mike came out of the garage with her old spark plugs, but I knew that spark plugs wouldn't make her car do what it was she said it was doing. Your wipers look fine, he said. The spark plugs will be five dollars. She took the money from her shirt pocket, some of it in bills, some in coins, and handed it to him, but seemed to have no interest in leaving. Instead, we sat there and each had another drink, and then the wind started to blow the way it did every night and made the wind chimes tinkle back behind the garage. There was lightning to the south. We saw it almost every night, but it never seemed to reach Moab. It took her a long time to finish her drink.
Then she left, the long drive back to town, her brake lights tiny and red. There was a bishop in the church, the head bishop for all of Moab, whose name was Homer. He was an attorney, the richest man in town. He had thousands of cattle, maybe more than anyone in Utah. The way he got his cattle when he wanted them for market was to send some of his men out into the desert with rifles to shoot them. It was lazy and simple, and I thought it was wrong. The men would load the dead cattle into their trucks that way and take them to Bishop Homer's own slaughterhouse. We had to bring ours in alive. Uncle Mike and I did not like Bishop Homer, but we did not waste time worrying about him either. It was my job to keep Uncle Mike's and my cattle away from the others if I could. Every day after school that spring, Ruth and I drove out into the desert in the jeep and chased Bishop Homer.